I, I just, I need, to, I need to preach. I need to preach today more so than teach. I, gotta, I, I need to deliver a word. I don't know exactly how God's going to deliver it. So y'all just hang in here with me. I meant, I, I, you know, like I said, this Friday is Passover. And oh man, I, I had it on my calendar uh, uh, months ago today to preach about Passover. I felt like that's what God wanted me to preach about. So I, this, this past week, I, I started kind of going through some of my old notes and finding all the different things about Passover. What a beautiful uh, symbolism for the crucifixion and the application of the blood of Jesus uh, that comes from the Passover meal, that last meal right before God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. And, and, and I, I wanted to talk about all the symbolisms of, of the lamb that each family would have to kill, how that was symbolic of Christ, and, and all the, the, the bitter greens, the, the, the field greens that they couldn't saute up or anything. They just had to kind of eat them raw. The whole meal was designed to, to eat kind of on the move, eat and go, eat and go, because once you eat it, get ready, liberation is coming. And that's how it is with salvation. Look, you, if you really make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, I don't mean you just ask him to forgive your sins and you take your problems, but when you give him your life, man, poo, things start moving right? Everything starts getting shaken up. You got to, because it's, it's go. He's a, he's a living God and you're on the move. And, and the bread, the bread of unleavened, the unleavened or unyeasted bread, yeast is always symbolic of teaching. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, Jesus said. In other words, leave the old teaching behind. We're leaving an old way behind that there's something new that's about to take place. All those beautiful, I mean, I could spend six weeks talking about Passover, and, and was planning on just doing a, a deep dive into it. And he kept taking me in prayer to, back to the blood. Because that's really ultimately Passover. You ate this meal and sacrificed this lamb. All this stuff. So that you, could, you would apply the blood of the lamb to the doorway of your house. So that when the death angel showed up in Egypt. To take the firstborn son of all those who were not covered by the blood. Or the wrath of God were to show up. Then... The wrath of God would see the blood applied to your doorway and would pass over that house. Pass over so that none of the firstborns of those of, of the children of Israel were taken that night. And what what incredible, powerful symbol. He kept bringing me back to the blood, to the blood. So I thought, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the blood today. And, and, and in my mind, I thought to myself, this is a... There, in Bible study, there, there is a phrase, and many of you have heard of it. It's, it's the law of first mention. And the, and the thought is this, if, if you can, if you're trying to understand theology or doctrine or any deeper part of the Word of God, you apply the law first mentioned. You go into the Word of God and you find the first time it was ever mentioned in the Word of God, a concept. And it's usually delivered in the most basic form at that point. And so it helps you break down what this bigger concept means, Right? And, and, and the, the law of first mention is powerful because it basically says this. It says that if God's going to make you a shirt and he starts making it out of silk, well, the rest of the shirt is going to be made out of silk. You're not going to wind up and part of it's made out of fur or polyester, right? If he uses silk to start out, he's going to finish it with silk. If he starts out, the covenant of Abraham started out in faith. It was all about faith. Our walk today and our relationship today is still about faith. And so the blood of Jesus, which washes away our sins and makes us whiter than snow and redeems us and brings the word, I love this word, atonement. If you break the word down, it's at one mint. And that's really what it means. It means that 
it brings you back into oneness with God, back into fellowship and connectivity with God. That, that when you have faith, you confess faith and not just the death and burial, but the resurrection as well of, of Jesus Christ. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. The blood of Jesus is applied to your life. You are now one with God. That means that you're not just forgiven, but you are corrected. You were bent over. He straightened you back up. Everything is great. To understand even deeper what the blood of Jesus is doing for you and for your family on a deeper meaning, we need to go back to the law of first mention. And so Passover, initially this week, I thought, what a beautiful point to start the law of first mention was Passover, applying the blood to the doorpost of the home so that the wrath of God would pass over. And he said, nope, go back further. I was sitting out on my front porch in my old rocking chair, looking like an old man. He said, go back further. I said, go back further. And he took me back to this, to uh, it's where, where the, the verses, uh, uh, our first verse is going to start out. Genesis chapter 4. This is the first time blood is mentioned in the Bible. Blood. Everyone say blood. blood. Everyone with me? Can I preach a little bit? We're going somewhere. Well, I promise we're going somewhere. Genesis 4, chap, uh, chapter 4, verses 3 through 11 When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? See if I can get this thing going. There we go. Come on. There we go. Verse 7. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. Y'all kind of remember that phrase. Let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen. Listen. Everyone say listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished and from the ground which has swallowed your brother's blood. Uh, I'm going to get my tech, my, the title of the sermon from that text. And... Uh, we're going to have to replace the batteries in the clicker finally. Look at that. It's been almost five years. But these are good batteries. Uh, let's just hop over here. Y'all bear with me. Yep, that's the one I want. Thank you, Chris. The cry of the blood. The cry of the blood. That's where I'm going to get my text. Father, I pray that your word just goes forth. I pray that everybody who hears it hears what the Spirit is saying, not my flawed vocabulary or my limited uh, syntax. But hear what the Spirit is trying to say 
for each and every family that's here. And we praise you in Jesus' name. So this story, in order to understand Passover, and in order which is a type and shadow. Everyone understand that the Old Testament is types and shadows. So if you're going to have a shadow, that means that something's illuminating. Well, what's being illuminated is Christ from the New Testament with the, the illumination of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. It illuminates Christ so that everything in the Old Testament is now a shadow. It's, it's a symbol. It's, it's the silhouette of Christ, right? It's the form of Jesus. So here we are, we're seeing these types and shadows, and the book of Hebrews talks about that a little bit, but, but here's these types and shadows. Well, to, in order to understand Passover, we need to go all the way back to Genesis 4, and you got Cain and Abel, the first two sons born to Adam and Eve, Cain being a farmer, Abel being a shepherd, and when the sacrifice time came, Cain offers a gift of uh, some of his produce, and then Abel offered the, the choicest firstborn of his lambs as a sacrifice. God accepts Abel's sacrifice. And then the craziest thing happens. Cain gets so mad, so upset, so jealous that he whines. He's mad enough over this. He's angry enough over this that he kills his brother. That's some messed up stuff. And not only that, it's, they're really only a result these messed up boys are really only a result of their messed up parents. Adam and Eve, think about it. Adam and Eve, in order to understand what's taking place here and the mess that we're seeing here, we have to understand the start of that mess, right? So we got to go back a little bit into Genesis 3. Adam and Eve had everything. They lived in paradise. The paradise that God created for them, right, had one rule. Now, I want, I want you to understand something. We're talking about a dysfunctional family. The first family, I want you to hear this. I don't, I, I'm speaking to someone today. The first family created by God turned out to be dysfunctional. You need to lose the guilt about your own family today. Amen. See, I'm going to amen myself. Nobody else amen. Amen, David. Thank you, David. Lose the guilt about you. Why? Because, because our first family, which we all came from, was dysfunctional, right? And you know how it is in dysfunctional families. You may have walked away from your mom and dad and gotten married, but you know you brought some stuff with you. And then as much as you say, well, I am not going to be like my mom and dad. I'm not going to pass this stuff on. Well, there's still, think about all the mess we really do pass on to our kids. Because we're human. And we're all kind of dysfunctional, right? So stop looking at everyone else's house. Thinking, man, if we could be like that house. No, look, they're crazy just like you are. Trust me. Say, ooh, look at Pastor Dave and Erica. They're so in love. Look at that. They just they pray together. They walk with God together. They study the word together. Yeah, we do. And guess what? We got a blended family. You think that's going perfect? No, we love each other, but we're crazy. And I'm okay with saying that because every single one of y'all's houses is crazy too. I've been in a lot of them to pray with you. <laughs> so relax. These folks are messed up. Look. Adam and Eve was given everything. They had everything, everything but one rule. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right? We all know the story. Serpent comes along and deceives Eve. 
Now, men, before you want to get all upset and say, see, it's the woman's fault if the woman wouldn't have eaten the fruit. Let me tell you something. The world didn't get plunged into chaos until Adam ate the fruit. I want to suggest that Eve could have fallen and had Adam stood his ground and been a man that he could have kept things, she would have found redemption. The world, the world didn't plunge into chaos until Adam did. Men, if you're tired of the chaos in your house, start obeying the word of God. Step up and become a man of faith. Don't, don't ask your wife to carry the spiritual load. Oh, she's got power. Proverbs 31 says that she's got the power to build her house or to destroy her house. So God's given her power. But the Lord has set it for you men. You'd say, well, I want to be the leader of the house. Well, then lead by setting the example, right? So Adam, the world plunged into chaos when he, when he ate. Eve, when she ate, think, think about what happened. They got kicked out. They lost everything. They got kicked out of house and home. Food just grew for them. They didn't have to worry about a thing. Everything was provided for them. Now, all of a sudden, they were kicked out. Adam's having to toil. You don't think that it weighed on Eve when she saw her husband come in from the field, sweaty, tired, popping ibuprofen because he'd been out and, the cro- and half the crops are failing, right? This stuff used to grow like, like nothing, man. And now he's got to go plant, grow it himself. Half, of, half the crops are dying. And he comes in grouchy, tired, sweaty, achy, doesn't want to talk. You know, they don't have as much to eat tonight as what they used to have. Think about it. Ladies, think about it. If, if a salesman came and, and sold you a bill of goods and you thought, man, all I have to do is this one thing, just hand over everything, and we're going to be set for life. And he did, I mean, he did an incredible job. And then it turns out he bamboozles you. And because of it, you lose, you and your husband and kids have to like lose your home, move out the neighborhood. You know, you're living in the slums. Y'all are scrounging. You lost your jobs. You're, you're having to get whatever work you can. And all of a sudden, life, y'all may be alive, but man, you used to have a good, but because of one mistake, because somebody duped you. Women, you don't think that wouldn't weigh on you? Think about Eve. You don't think that weighed on her? And it's not like men. I learned all about men and women when I had 13 years of youth pastoring, right? The microcosm of a youth group. When boys, they get upset at each other, they'll go out in the parking lot and thump on each other a little bit, and then next thing you know, they're playing basketball together. They're having fun. There are, there are grown women that were in my youth group when they were teenagers, and they still won't talk because of something that happened way back when we were in, doing youth ministry. I know how you women are. I'd rather fight a man any day than face an angry woman. You don't think Eve had it out for that serpent? You scoundrel, you lied to me, you duped me. You made me look like an idiot in front of God and my husband and all creation. And now we're outside. We can't even get back into that garden. And yet there was a promise. There was a promise. God said, he told the serpent, he said, your head's going to be crushed by her seed. You'll bruise his heel, but he'll, he's going to crush your head. You don't think Eve possibly got a hold of that? And said, you wait 
You wait, serpent, until I have me a baby. He grows up. You don't think she thought of revenge when she pushed out a son the first time? Said, your days are numbered. Wait until he grows up. He's going to crush your head. Then she had another son. She goes, I got two shots. I got two shots because I I got to get him back because I can set things right. Now Cain and Abel. They're in a world of a mess. Why? Because their parents were in a world of a mess. Think about Adam. When his shame was exposed, when he ate, when he ate of the fruit, and then they realized they were naked. I love God's response. The first thing that God said, he didn't say, what are you doing? First thing he said was, who, who told you I was naked? Or who told you you were naked? I've been walking, I've been walking in the cool of the evening with you for months on end now. I ain't never said one thing about your nakedness. It's never bothered me. You didn't have to feel ashamed around me. Who told you? And that's how he is with us. When we want to hide our shame from the Lord, the Lord's like, whoa, who said that you're less than? Who said that you're not enough? Who said you're a failure? I never said those words. Adams, you remember what his, you remember what his, uh, uh, his solution was? You know, he just, all of a sudden, him and Eve are dysfunctional. What's his solution? <gasps> Fig leaves, right? Of all the boneheaded things, you're going to grab the most rough thing you can, right? I'm sure they had a lot more softer moss growing around there or something. But he, he grabs fig leaves. So you're going to pluck something that's alive and pluck it from its life-giving vine. Why? Because hurt people tend to hurt people. So he plucks it. Well, instantly, this leaf's going to be dying, right? And that's how most of our problems, when we try to like get it in our head that we're going to solve, the, we're going to solve this issue and we're going to take care of things. Don't worry about it, God. I've got it. You know, we'll pray, Lord, help me on this. And then we still try to take over. Well, guess what? All of our efforts wind up being fig leaf anyway. It's temporal. It's temporary. It's only, uh, you know, within, within weeks, it's just going to wither. And so God winds up saying, Adam, get those stupid fig leaves off. It's ridiculous. And he winds up, what is, you remember what, what did God do? He sacrificed an animal. Now, the Bible didn't say, but I, I believe, I believe it would be a lamb. Because you remember, if God starts making a shirt out of silk, he's going to finish it with silk. We see how the job was finished. It was with the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So he kills an animal. I believe it was a lamb. And he wraps the fur the hide around Adam. Here's Adam walking around, the blood flowing down his thighs, all around his feet, his shame covered. And God was teaching them in order to atone for your mistake, a life had to be given, right? Now hop over to Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Cain, his brother, gets jealous. The problem is this. The problem started with their sacrifice. Cain worked the ground. Abel was a shepherd. Who knows? Maybe when Adam and Eve relayed that, that story of, man, we used to live in the richest neighborhood around. We weren't out here slumming it. And then they told the story of how God wrapped them in animal hide and how they just walked around blood pouring down from this hide. Maybe Abel thought, you know what? Animals are important to God. 
I'm going to tend to his oxes and bulls and sheep and goats. I'll take care of these because these things seem to be important to God. Cain said that he worked the earth. That's the problem is he was still working things that were his dad's issues. You know, his dad went for fig leaves. Fig leaves come up from the earth. Cain's still trying to present things from the earth. Here's my own solutions, God, and God rejects it. But he, he accepted Abel's, the book of Hebrews. Ladies, y'all are studying the book of Hebrews. What chapter are y'all in now? Oh, start nine. Ooh, it's about to get good because y'all are going to hop over to 10 here pretty quick. The Bible talks about by faith, in the book of Hebrews, by faith, Abel's sacrifice was the greater sacrifice. I love it. Why? He had faith. Ooh, somehow or another, he understood that God likes blood. <laughs> God likes life. Blood equals life. God likes these animals. So he sacrificed an animal rather than coming up with his own kind of sacrifice. And he did so by faith. Basically, Abel presented to God what God liked. If you want to present yourself a living sacrifice, give him what he likes. That's life. He likes yours. Don't worry about giving him your service. Oh, that comes naturally. Say, ooh, I, I attend church. I go to Bible study. I've even prayed. I'm even working through the one-year Bible. And, and I was nice to people. And I even donated to Mission Arlington. And I gave to this mission group. And I've been paying my tithes consistently for six months. Hey, I ought to be pretty good. Well, if, but if he doesn't have you, none of that really matters. That's just a bunch of fruit coming out of the ground, right? But if he has you, that's the acceptable sacrifice. So, everyone still with me? All right, hang in there. We're going somewhere. Amen. Moving along. Woo. Moving along. So now, we've got an upset king. God shows up says, why are you so dejected, Cain? Why are you so upset? Come out into my territory. Isn't it funny how the enemy wants to separate you from where you're working? Separate you from your own anointing and what God's got you doing? Come on out to my territory. Come on out to my field. And so he does. Now look at this. Look at this. This had to happen. The story I'm telling you had to happen as much as it probably broke Eve's heart, right? This was probably one of the biggest nightmares for Eve to have to live through aside from the fall of man. Dysfunctional family. But it had to happen because we think this is a tragedy, but we find out in the book of Hebrews really what the meaning of this was. It was a shadow. It was a type. It was Christ casting Stories on the wall with his fingers, right? Think about it. Jesus had to leave his throne and come to this realm and to live amongst his own brothers. The Bible says that he was amongst his own, but his own didn't know him and rejected him. The Bible says that Abel got pulled out of the sheepfold and went over into a Cain's field, an area that wasn't his. Abel took care of bulls and goats and sheep for a season, and then he himself became a sacrifice. Christ, for a season, the book of Hebrews says that 
the blood of goats and bulls and sheep would only last for a season, but there was a perfected sacrifice that would take place. Christ, who ordained the sacrifice in the Old Testament, now he became the sacrifice. And it was important that Cain was his brother that killed him because Christ was killed by his own brethren. He was killed for the world, but it was his own brothers that rejected him and rejected his sacrifice. That's the gospel message. Cain and Abel is the first semblance that we see of the gospel story. That it would be about blood. That it would be about blood. Everyone following? Now here's the thing. The blood cried out. He comes up and he asks Cain, Cain, where's your brother? Be careful when God decides to start asking you questions. Be careful before you want to pop your hand up on your hip. I don't know. My, my brother's keep. He couldn't even hardly get it out of his mouth before God said, shh, listen, listen, listen. You, you hear, can you not, do you not hear that? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me. It's crying out. Let's talk about sound for a second. I love sound. I grew up playing music, went to school to learn sound reinforcement, all that good stuff. Uh, uh, was, was actually going to be doing recording studio stuff until I figured out that bands don't have money, so I got into television. Television doesn't have a lot of money, but it had more money than bands. How's that? So, sound all has to do with frequency. There are a lot of sounds going through this room right now that we don't hear with our ears because our ears are not tuned into that frequency. I could blow a dog whistle. You're not going to hear it. But every dog in the area would start howling, wouldn't they? which I apologize on behalf of my dog. Anything that moves, he wants to go outside and bark at. 10 o'clock at night, he's wake, waking up the neighbors. 7 o'clock, what time were we on the porch this morning? 7.30, 7.30 this morning, he's, he's yelling at somebody out there, hey, we had to get him back in. Why? Because he hears things. Half the time I'm like, what are you barking at? He's hearing things. He's hearing frequencies, frequencies. That's why I'm not, now he couldn't hear the blood, but God could. Whatever the frequency that was, God said, shh, do you hear that? The blood is crying out. That's why, you know, a lot of times there's just things that we don't hear in life. I'm not worried about atheists that come to me and, and I've, I've prayed and loved on everybody in the neighborhood that I know how to love on. And sometimes there's been atheists that tell me, I don't, I hear this gospel that you're trying to tell me, but I just don't believe it. It doesn't discourage me. It doesn't bother me because just because you can't hear the frequency doesn't mean that it's not there. <laughs> I can blow a dog whistle. Even though you can't hear it, it's still there. So if God says that the, that the blood is crying out, you may not be able to hear it. You may not be able to sense it, but it's still there. I'm telling you, the blood is crying out today. He said the blood is crying out. What is it crying out for? It's the sound of injustice. It's the sound of attack. It's the sound, a cry for revenge, for recompense, for restitution. Every wrong that was done to Abel, Abel in this murder, God could hear from the blood. 
Can I tell you that since this is the law of first mention and if this is a type and shadow of the blood of Jesus being applied to our life, I don't know what attacks, this is the word, I've said all that to say this this morning, this is the word that I have for you that came straight from God this week and he taught, He said it to me and I know he's saying it to somebody here, I don't know what attacks have come against your family, I don't know what attacks have come against the marriages in this house, what attacks have come against the children in this house, I don't care what injustice, what the courts have said or haven't said, I don't care what the boss has said or hadn't said, what way the company's starting to move, what way the household's starting to shift. I don't care what it is. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus is crying out on behalf of every family, every life represented here, and it is crying on behalf of every injustice that the enemy has tried to launch against your people. Someone get happy about that. (laughs) Because the blood cries out. Eve was devastated. Think about Eve. She was devastated. Could you imagine this? the first mom that had to lose a child was the very first mom ever. Her son murdered cold blood. And that Abel's gone. And Cain might as well be dead. God said, you're cursed. And he exiled. He banished him. He might as well be in prison the rest of his life. It's gone. My kids are gone. And not only that, He didn't just kill my son. He killed my plans. I had two shots, two shots to crush that serpent's head. Two shots. And now it's gone. It's gone. Two shots. I killed my plan. How many of y'all have honestly said this? When your family, your relationships... Ministry opportunities. So what's going on? That's not what I planned. That's not how I saw it. That's not what I thought. This is not what I signed up for. Where's my picket fence? Where's my happily ever after? When the papers are served out of the blue... This is not my plan. You're not not just killing us. You're killing my plan. We were this close. What are you doing? You ever want to say that to your kids? What are you doing? This is not what you're not supposed to be doing this. You got three more years of school. What are you doing? (laughs) You know? If you can keep your head on straight, you got one more semester, you can graduate college. Knock it off. You ever felt that? Just, would you just get home? Get yourself home. Knock it off. This is not your, we're ruining plans. Do you realize what you've done to my plan? Eve needed these boys because she needed them to put her back together. She, she had blown it. She had messed it up. But if they can crush the serpent's head, then I can be whole again. Eve, you'd, you don't understand, sweetie. You really were just a type and shadow. It wasn't necessarily your, exactly your seed, but it would be the seed of one of your long, long, long offspring named Mary. And it wouldn't be from these boys. They were types and shadows. Eve, this had to happen. Because we need it. 
We need it. We needed a marker. We needed a shadow. We needed an example. We needed a model to know what this was about. That the blood of Jesus just doesn't wash our sins away, but it cries out for every injustice and on behalf of every attack and everything that's fallen apart. And when you think your plans have been ruined, guess what? They're supposed to be because maybe they weren't his plans. Sometimes we got to let go of our plans. Do you realize that we suffer the most? Why? Because we mourn our plans more than we're mourning the loss of things. We mourn the loss of what we think should be. This wasn't supposed to happen. Well, it did. But guess what? There's redemption. And don't worry. The blood is crying out. He hears it. He hadn't forgotten about you. Why? Because God God doesn't sleep all night while you're passed out. He hears the blood. The blood of that sacrifice. Everyone stand. The blood of the sacrifice is calling. So this week, this week, in the midst of your dysfunction, in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of crazy, say, well, no, life's going pretty good right now. Well, hold on. Just wait a few days. That's my experience in life. By the time I'm ready to kick back, prop my feet up, grab the remote, pop open that Diet Coke, Man, all hell's about to break loose. Sometimes I just let that Diet Coke sit there. Because I know as soon as I open it, it's just... The whole world goes... The blood of Jesus is still crying out. That's what Passover is about. The fact that we have a God that instituted... In order to take care of us, it would take a life. And he provided a life so that we can live. And every day of our life, because we have the blood applied to us, we have a God whose blood cries out on our behalf. So there is nothing the enemy can do that can be victorious. Oh, he can blow your plans up, but those were your plans. But the plan of God for your life can't be thwarted the plan of God for your life. So I feel like maybe I've ruined God's plan for me. You, know, you ain't stop. You don't flatter yourself. You're not that powerful. <laughs> you can't thwart the plans of God. Now, he may step back and wait on you to stop throwing your tantrum. And he may wait on you to percolate a little bit. But his plan will come to fruition in your life. And the blood continues to cry out. On your behalf. I don't know what you're going through today, but be confident of this and be encouraged this week. Lord, I know this looks like a mess, but your blood is crying out on my behalf. You have not forgotten about me. You will be true to your word. My family will be all right. We're going to make it. I promise we're going to make it.